You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your much more sober this week host, uh, Troy Goodfellow. With me today is uh, freelance writer Tom Chick. Hello. Does anyone need a coffee before we start? I'll get uh, Troy, Bruce, do you want a coffee? And Dr. Bruce Garrick. So I'm so disappointed that I couldn't make the podcast last week because you guys just, I can't believe all the things you didn't talk about and all the things that I could have said. But it's, that's okay because we have a podcast this week, so I'm just going to pretend like we're talking about all that stuff. <laughs> I, I have a well, question for you guys. How come when you talked about World War II, you didn't talk about War in the Pacific? We did. Didn't that come up briefly? Yep, it came up a couple of times. Oh, all right. Forget it then. Whenever, yeah. whenever Julian mentioned something, you just tune out his voice. Is that what? Was it Julian? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I thought I listened to it and, and didn't hear you guys talk about it. Okay, well then, forget it. Wait, 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 wait. You talk about whatever we're talking about. This week. No, you know what? I think Bruce is right, Troy. We mentioned War Plan Pacific, but I don't oh. know. We talked about Gary Grigsby right, we did, at some we point. Have war we in the not have specifically mentioned War in the Pacific, so that's Bruce right. might have a point. Like war Plan Pacific. That's right. No, we did not talk War in the Pacific. You're right. But we did talk about the war in the Pacific. Yes. So, yeah. Well, when that. when making history two comes out in the fall, maybe we'll have another chance to talk about. That's that's II. um that historian guy's game. It's made by historians, so it has to be really great. Yes, made by uh, or it's at least the historian Niall Ferguson is an advisor on making history two. Well, he didn't program all the sprites. No, most historians aren't good with stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> Most historians. I'm sure there are exceptions. Soren Johnson, after all, has a, has a history degree. So, okay. uh, But that was last week, and yes, we're sorry we missed you, Bruce. We're sure you could have added a lot of stuff we did not talk about. Uh, and this week, though, I'm sure you'll have a lot to tell us about this week's topic, city builders. Oh, you think? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but first... This week's podcast is brought to you by Chatsworth. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Chatsworth. It's where good folks come to live. You can't have a sponsor. Yeah. The uh, Chatsworth uh, Board of Tourism uh, approached me and asked if they could sponsor this week's episode. So Chatsworth, it's where good folks come to live. Is that a city that you're building? <laughs> I part of the deal is that I've promised to name all of my cities in Cities XL uh, Chatsworth. Yes. Hi. I see. Well, one thing that you should uh, contact the Cities XL developers about is the fact that I can't get a non-corrupted file off of wherever they're hosting their thing. So yeah, Cities XL has not. I'm not going to have a lot to say about that game because I spent uh, the last four days waiting for it to come back online. And now that it's online, I uh, I spent the better part of this afternoon uh, mucking around with stuff that didn't seem to work. So, uh, yeah, I have a few words for the Cities XL people, so I'll throw that in there as well, Bruce. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, we were. So, we, the plan was we would talk a little bit about Cities XL since it is uh, probably the big city builder coming out this year. But uh, because it is in beta, sometimes the servers have been down. And I also, when I was downloading the client a couple of months ago, had a lot of trouble uh, getting it to process and getting it to install correctly and just understanding what the hell I was doing. Um, the updates have been irregular. The uh, servers have been down qu- quite a bit. So I don't have a lot to say about the game. I have a little bit. Uh, but I do want to talk about City Builders because of that and also because a couple of weeks ago when we talked about uh, trading games, we got a lot of complaints that we didn't talk about uh 1404. Uh, because yes. it's not a trading game. It's a city builder. Exactly. I, I am, I'm going to stick by my guns on that. I'm, I'm glad so you guys are with why me. Why don't you explain to our listeners what makes it a city builder and not a trading game as we would define it? Because the primary activity is, is growing a city. Uh, that's, that's your goal. That is what the gameplay is. Uh, incidental to that, part of their gameplay model and part of why I really like the game is trading is sort of incorporated. You've got to move goods around amongst different islands. Most of these goods are kept as sort of in 
uh, that's circulated within the confines of your own economy, your own city, you can incidentally sell stuff to other parties. Other parties can buy stuff from you. But it's primarily about it's primarily that city builder model of growing a population, providing them with services, uh, making sure that they prosper and flourish. Uh, Dawn of Discovery is absolutely a city builder and not a trading game. Because that all the trade is in service to building the city, and it's not the right. end in itself. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. You just said it much. I should have said what you said. I'm I'm going to change my answer to what you said, Troy. Very good. <laughs> uh, you did a lot of uh, game diaries on your blog, your sci-fi, syfy.com, fidget.com blog on uh, Dawn of Discovery. Didn't get a good feel for your final feelings about the game. I, I have uh, I feel bad about Dawn and Discovery for a couple of reasons. Like I really like the game a lot, and I kind of feel bad that it it didn't make my top ten like half year best games of 2009 list because maybe it should have. Uh, well, but I I love that game. I mean that's sort of the city builder du jour for me. I think uh, it just gets so many things right. And actually, so on my notes as I was like writing things about okay, here's what you look for in city builders, here's different types of city builders. At the very end, I wrote a little separate category for Dawn of Discovery and how in each area, it, it pretty much does something exactly right. Uh, so I am a huge fan of Dawn of Discovery. Hmm. You sound surprised. As are you, Troy, right? I mean, you... Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a moderate fan. I gave it a positive review. Um, I had, I think that some of the interface is unclear, the relationship between a lot of the resources. You have to play through or find an online guide to really understand stuff. I'd like to know the footprint of a building before I put it down. Uh, I really don't know uh, as far as city planning is concerned. And sometimes I felt more like a stevedore than a mayor. Uh, but there <laughs> did was... Did you use that in your review, by the way? I think I did. I think I did. I think I called it the Admiral Schlepper and the stevedore tycoon or something. Uh but it does do so many wonderful, nice things with the relationship between resources, keeping every every island has a different mix of resources, and no island has everything. And I think it is the best of the Anno games because it really embraces the separate island stuff in a way that the others didn't. The other uh, Anno games almost kind of tricked you into thinking you could run this autonomous economy. Um, and I think uh, Dawn of Discovery doesn't do that. It's pretty upfront from the very beginning. It's got a better tutorial. Uh, it's a beautiful-looking game, lots of color to it. Um, like I said, the interface should have been better, and I think I, think I ended up giving it, you know, I'm not going to say it, it, kind of a, a mid-high grade. Um, but it's, well, it wouldn't have been one of my top ten of the, well, maybe. I haven't played that many really good games this year. So probably would have made my top ten. For the top for the first half of the year, huh. Bruce, would it have made your top ten? Um, I, I don't think I've played ten games this year of anything. <laughs> um, so uh, it would have. We must have played probably. We must have played ten games of, of pandemic this afternoon. That sort of counts. Yeah, we played like three games. That's uh, that's an interesting game. We should talk about that sometime on the uh, pandemic, on the um, uh, the uh, ga- uh, podcast about games about influenza. Yeah. So, uh, the other thing is that um, I remember the podcast that we had about trading games. People got all mad about how many games we forgot. We didn't talk about this game. We didn't talk about that game. And it, we, you know, we didn't like give the history of all trading games before we even started talking about anything. So, um, I think we need to back up on the city builder thing and uh, talk about uh, you know some early city builder games. Uh, one of which uh, is the game Hammurabi that uh, came out, oh, I don't know, 1970-something. And, uh, you know, was all you needed to do to build your own city uh, using uh, a text-based interface. Hammurabi? And, you know, that sounds familiar, but I don't... Yes, so was sir. this like one of those Unix things, like NetHack? Well, it was. I think it was on mainframes. I played it for the first time. I think can't remember. I can't remember if I played it on the Apple II or on the Commodore. But it came. I remember I got somehow got involved with it. I think in one of those magazines where you typed in your own basic programs. Wow. Yeah. How about that? So this predated so, SimCity. Yeah. 
Wait, no, wasn't Hammurabi? <laughs> wasn't Hammurabi just some agriculture game? Well, I think well, it was. It has everything you needed to do for. So, for example, you could do things like it would say, you know, Hammurabi. I beg to report to you. In year three, five people starved. Eight came to the city. Population is now two hundred and one. The city now owns eight hundred and seventy nine acres. You harvested five bushels per acre. Rats ate. 18 bushels. You now have 2,748 bushels in store. Wait, that sounded like you were reading that, so I'm, I'm almost led to believe that you're actually in the middle of a game of Hammurabi right now. I saved it to, so we could play on the podcast. <laughs> that totally sounds like a city builder. But, I mean, no, I, didn't I mean, play they, it, but I've heard of it. That's a city builder. Awesome. The Hammurabi that I know is really just, I wouldn't even call it a city builder. It's really a, a farming game. You just, you plant grain and you harvest it you don't back build, then build that's what cities were they were big farms but you don't build temples you don't build you know ah, it's really just so, it's a firming sim you have to so keep the balance i think people. i think you have inadequate respect for the history of gaming all right <laughs> this is getting way out of hand you guys oh, so so the, 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 the disagreement like hammurabi's code it is a precursor to more sophisticated things that came after all right, well, that's fine. Then let's go to another game released uh, a few years after that called Utopia on the Intellivision. Ah, uh, Utopia, yes. Yes. Remember that game? Very well. Oh, I don't. You guys I, you guys have to tell me about this. Utopia. I want to play this. You do. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. So, well, I told you about Hammurabi. Maybe Troy can tell you about Utopia. Well, Utopia, which I can barely remember, but I remember it very fondly. It is a multiplayer game. It's two players. Whoa. Yes. And you each control a banana republic island type thing. Yes. And you try to build up your city and un- build up your island and undermine the other guy's island. You build I love this game already. And rebels, and it's with those you know wacky and television controllers and had the little overlay. And I think it's one of – it's a game whose influence you can kind of see. And both of the people know they were influenced by Utopia. But it has so many uh, design elements you'll keep seeing in other city builders, in other empire games, uh, all the way through. It's kind of a, almost a, a multiplayer tropico. Only yes, a lot, tr- a lot simpler. I was going to make that point if you didn't. It's a lot simpler than Tropico. I mean, you, uh, and keeping your population happy is mostly a matter of keeping the other guy, uh, people unhappy. So he has to deal with his people and can't piss yours off. But uh, Utopia, I highly recommend uh, taking a look at it. What if you can get an emulator for that? I think you now, can. How do I was you, thinking about that. How do you subvert the other island's happiness? Oh, so you could. Ha- so one of the things you had to do, I remember this very well, is you had fishing boats, and you could go around and you know, and you had to control all the stuff, right? So you had to go out and fish and get fish for your population. But what the other guy could do was build PT boats and go and try to shoot down your, or you know, sink your uh, fishing boat, which is hilarious, and all sorts of stuff like that could happen. And uh, you know, you could, you could, uh, I think you could like, like uh, encourage rebels on the other island to like. You know, yep. do rebel type activities. It was just, it was fantastic. This it's, almost also sounds like a real time strategy game. Um, wh- I think it was, wasn't it? Um, I think so. I'm trying to remember. It may have been real time. Man, my childhood sucked. I never had an Intellivision to play this stuff. Um, but yeah, once again, it was, it was very simple. There weren't a lot of structures you could build. I think there was a, you could build factories and hospitals and a couple of other things. Uh, but it certainly lay, the, lay all the groundwork for the idea that you have a population uh, whose needs you have to meet. Um, right. And- but the interesting thing about that, too, is that I think, you know, like the Hammurabi thing, you could you could figure out. Right. You could just yeah. sort of say, oh, you know, if I do this, you know, it, it just it was a formula. But we the, just now, but be- right. Right. But the but Utopia was such that I think you could, you know. It had all the different elements of a city builder because, you know, you could do certain things, um, no, all of which were sort of independent and, and but at the same time linked. So, you know, you yeah. could build a hospital. I mean, a hospital is, is uh, as I as I recall, was, you know, objectively a good thing, but it would cause your population to expand. So you couldn't just build a whole bunch of hospitals and sort of satisfy your population because then your population would grow and then you'd have to feed them. Right. Right. So it's that whole kind of, uh, you know, feedback loop 
mechanism of city builders that uh, I think is really sort of really pretty, you know, innovative. And that's sort of the, the the fundamental dilemma in a in, in in city builders is keeping the population balanced. I mean, a lot of the right. impressions games you would get into these cycles of boom bust because right. you would be flooded with all these immigrants, wouldn't be able to satisfy them. They'd get pissed off. They'd burn down half your city. Everyone would leave, and then you'd have to boom it back up again. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, Utopia. I'm so I didn't even think of mentioning that game, but I'm so glad you did. Well, yeah, the earliest I was going to be able to come in on all this was uh, was Sim City. I was all like, "Yeah, I, I know oh. the first city builder ever," and that, that's like a Johnny Come Lately. It sounds like that's like uh, that's like ten years after Hammurabi, and it's like seven, eight years after, six, seven years after Utopia. Oh yeah, Utopia. I think Utopia. I think I'm sure that that uh, uh, you know pretty much anybody who programmed a city builder in the late '80s had played Utopia. Wow, good call. Yeah. Yeah, uh, SimCity made that whole balance thing very explicit with the RCI graph. You know, you had that residential, commercial, industrial zones, right. and there was a bar for each one, and it sort of made very clear this this population balance you guys are talking about. It's sort of balancing the different types of uh, stuff that you're making in your city. Uh, all right, you okay, populous a city builder? No. Populous, I think, is I would think of that as more straight up like RTS kind of thing because there there weren't really any structures in Populous. Your guys would make houses and you could control the size of the house, but right. it was more about sort of clustering the people. It was more like a population distribution game, I think. Yeah. Which shepherding and killing. Shepherding, I like that, Troy. It's like a shepherding game. Uh, wow, good, good. Bruce. So there right. we've covered the. Antecedents of uh, the city building genre. Now, Tom, you say you have a list of what makes a good city builder. Now, I think you and I may disagree on some of these, uh, knowing some of our disparate tastes uh, in city builders. But what do you think is the most important thing in a a city? The most well, that's that's the thing is I don't know that you can really say that because there are different kinds of city builders. There are different gameplay models. there are different amounts of sort of fiddliness and how directly involved the player is. Right. There are these sort of uh, deist model city builders where you set everything up and then it runs on its own. And then there's these more the more traditional, like almost RTS or theist city builder models where you're reaching down into the city and mucking around with stuff. Uh, the most important thing, I don't know. Do you have an answer for that? Or Bruce, could you say what the most important thing is in a city builder? Orcs. <laughs> There's no city. Bu- oh, you know what? There is a city yes, builder. There is. Orcs. Oh, yes, there is. Wait. First you of all, ready? I think I'm thinking of a totally different one than you, Bruce. What are you thinking of? Uh, the the folks at Tilted Mill did a hinter a version that it's sort of a more like a village builder called Hinterland. Right. And yeah, uh, they yeah, released that, an orc expansion pack. For yeah, it. I know about that that's, one. No, that's I not was the one you're thinking about. Of? Stronghold. That's a city builder. Oh, Tom Chick. Uh, can, can, can Castle I'm thinking about the stronghold of stronghold times. I'm thinking about the stronghold. The Indy stronghold. No, I know what you're D times. About. Right? No, no, I'm not talking about the Firefly Castle Builder. No, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, yeah, that but was I a city builder. Made... Okay. Yeah, because you, you, like, you had like a city, city, right? And you were you had to build all sorts of like you had to like balance, you know, where the wizards lived and where the elves lived, where the dwarves lived, and then you could like go attack other cities, right? Wow, yeah. I don't even think I know this game. I can think of oh, the yeah. box cover, I think, and that's about it. Yeah. Do, who made I, that, Bruce? Is that Cyberlore? Do you know? Uh, that was uh, SSI. And Stormfront, they, I think. Stormfront. You know what? You're absolutely right. Oh, that's <laughs> not the... the Stormfront Studios, not the neo-Nazis, no. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, good point. So. Uh, so okay, so Bruce thinks it's not a good city builder unless it has orcs. Right. Troy, do you have any? Uh, do you have any must-have for a city builder? You know what? I've got one. But go ahead, Troy. Yeah, you have I one? asked. I asked you first. Okay, so I think one of the things that you really need in a city builder is uh, one of the things I wrote is is why do people like city builders? What makes them work? And I think one of the the the, the driving forces behind why we play city builders, what we look for when we play them, is this sort of ant farm aspect. This idea that here's a system, 
the system sort of uh, you help create it, but then it runs on its own. And there's something entertaining or fundamentally satisfying about watching this system and all of its little components interact with each other. It's like it's like prying the back off of a off of a, a watch and seeing all the little gears move. So I think any good city builder has to appeal to that that ant farm mentality where everybody likes watching ants dig their tunnels and and make little rooms uh, i think you need to do that well to have a good city builder so, would so you, say you, you want to play sim ant i recently played something called ant nation and was looking for sim ant it was no such thing but uh but yeah maybe i don't remember it much but maybe was sim ant a city builder i don't know i think it was a virtual textbook it was quite good uh yeah but so would you say you need walkers no, thank God. That's yeah. Impressions got that out of their system. Isn't the Walker model dead? That was I such a weird gameplay contrivance. I think. Why? Because it doesn't. So what they used to do, just for for our listeners, uh, impressions were uh, the folks that that sort of they, their name was synonymous with city builders for the longest time. They did historical know, the series. Yeah, the historical series. And what they did is. In order for people to get, I think it was all resources, it was like food and water and silk or whatever they needed, I think even religion, they would have a walker moving around the city, and any house that it passed, it then conferred on that house the goods the house needed. So in order for your people to not get the plague, a doctor walker or something had to walk past the house Uh and at first, when they did this, they would just have the walker sort of move around. There was some algorithm that de- determined where it went. But as the games got more complex, you kind of had to manage that dude's path. And you would set up roadblocks. And I think eventually you could even specify at which roadblock which walkers could pass, maybe. I, I, it's been a while. Uh, but I, there's, there's no real – I can't think of any real it – it's not really an analog to anything that actually happened in cities that I can think of. Well, you don't think people like walked down roads in actual cities? I think peddlers were given far too much uh, prominence in the Walker model. Yes, I see. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, like I don't. Doctors making house calls. Yeah, okay, you could say that, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like the Walker model. I'm glad nobody's doing it anymore. Well, what are they doing? So the now, a couple of, of things. Uh, one of I. Tropico, for instance, did this. Uh, Children of the Nile did this. Now, instead of walkers, the lazy citizens actually get out and get what they need. You know, starting, I think, with Tropico. I don't know who, I'm sure someone did this before Tropico, but this is the first instance. Now, in Tropico, when somebody needed to meet, for instance, their religion need, they would actually leave the house and go to the church. So, uh, instead of a priest coming by and making a house call, you know, the lazy guy would get up and go to church, just like people do in real life. Uh, hmm. So I think that's what people do. Right. So it's more or, of a simulation. It, yeah, you could sort of. And I wonder if that's like a, something that has to do with CPU cycles. Like maybe as computers are more powerful, you can model that more easily. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, another thing you can do, too, is have a more traditional radius-based Model. Yeah, the whole the whole where, the zone of influence thing, which SimCity had yeah. for the most part, and and certainly uh, Dawn of Discovery does that. Right, uh, is you have you know you you plop the church down and it shows in green every residence that's going to be have its church need met by that structure shows, and that's just sort of implying okay these people live close enough to walk to the church to meet their religion need, sort of the same kind of thing. Uh, Troy, did you like walkers? Didn't walkers drive you crazy? I mean, I, yeah, I always yeah, felt I mean, like it was yeah, at the mercy of, of whatever algorithm was driving that little dude. Yeah, I, I mean, they just drove me nuts, uh, especially when you know the, the market lady would take the same damn right turn on the same right. corner time after time after time, and you know, so one half of the, one half of a block was fat and healthy, and the other half was a bunch of scurvy-ridden beggars. Um, it sort of made city builders these kind of puzzle games about pathfinding, didn't yeah. it? Uh, and while I like the idea of having to set up an efficient transportation network, mm-hmm. SimCity was always good about that, in, in that you could you could sort of see the flow of traffic and how people had to get from residences to industrial areas for their jobs to commercial areas to meet their needs, and you could sort of plan a network around that. 
Uh, I like having to deal with transportation flow, but not if it's based on this silly walker model of the peddler walking through town giving everyone their food and whatnot. Uh, I mean, but when I asked you whether you liked walkers, I mean, speaking in more general terms, you like to see the citizens walking around, whether they are going to get oh. some. Oh! <laughs> yeah. But no, I was... Yeah, that's that ant farm. Exactly. That, yeah. No, you're right, Troy. That's that ant farm thing. I love that in Donna Discovery, you can look at the little uh, cattle farm and see little cows going around. You know, I love that. So, and also, uh, the latest Caesar games, I think, and certainly... Uh, like Children of the Nile, you could look and see the little dudes stomping grapes, and you could see the not the carrots, the the urns of wine or whatever stacked up in front of the winemaker. Uh, that's an important part too of this sort of ant farm appeal. Is you're also seeing the goods physically represented. I'm they oh the marketplaces like weren't there in Caesar games? You have an empty marketplace, and it eventually fills up with. With, with brick and, and marble and, and olive oil and, uh, you know, Caesar, love that aspect. Too. Caesar 4 was especially good at that. Uh, you could just tell at a glance, you know, which of your factories were working. You didn't even have to click on them. If you saw an idle worker, you know, beating on a pan, then you know, you know, your utensil factory doesn't have any iron. Uh, right. It was just so clear uh, with, with a glance, and that was great. Um, well, there really do seem to be two different tracks of city building. You have the modern city building. You have the Sim Cities, Sim City Societies, uh, Monte Cristo's game, City Life, and Cities XL. Then you have these almost cartoonish uh, historical city games, which are grow great abstractions of you know what that look both everything like a Hollywood set and nothing like Rome. Uh, Weren't there? Didn't Heimamont or someone there? There have been some fairly non-cartoony historical sims, yes. haven't there? City builders, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Children of the Nile, I think, is probably right. the, the archetypal example. And Heimamont's Grand Ages Rome, um, which I think is pretty good, one of their best uh, Roman city builder. I liked it quite a bit from earlier this year. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm trying to think, what's I going to ask? And then you have this whole that whole fantasy city building thing, which you've seen very few of. You've had uh, Majesty's more of an RTS, right? Yeah, I was going to ask about Majesty whether you thought Majesty was a city builder or not. I don't really think it is, but well, here's what I think Majesty does have, Bruce, is that it really does have it appeals to that that ant farm thing that I'm talking about, where you have this system and you foster this, you, you know, you make the system sort of flourish you, and you encourage it, and, and you're watching the pieces of the system interact. Right. Now, the pieces aren't as granular as they are in most city builders because you have discrete heroes uh, who go up levels. So it's part of the brilliance of Majesty is I think it does appeal to why we like city builders. Um, so I don't think that's, I think that's a very good question. Uh, I would say that people who dig city builders would like Majesty. I would not hesitate to recommend it uh, to a city builder fan. Unless they didn't like fantasy. Nobody doesn't like fantasy except you. Okay. Just checking. And I think the key to the whole ant farm vibe, and I think you're right, the Majesty has this, is kind of the same thing that Populous had, that you, that you influence but you don't direct. You set right. conditions uh, for the action. You set up what you think the system should look like, but you don't tell the market person where to go, or you don't tell uh, somebody, oh, it's time to go to church, uh, which is why they're, how they're different from real-time strategy games. They're still strategy right. games, but it's not about you being in control. You aren't uh, an intervening god. Um, right. And I think that's what makes them, the ant farm vibe so interesting and so unique uh, to the city builder genre. Now, here, here's one that – and, Bruce, I would have loved for you to play this. I don't think you did, but I would have loved to have known what you thought of this model. These guys – and leave it to Tilted Mill. I mean, these guys, they're, they're sort of the uh, – they're, they're some of the people from Impressions. Mm -hmm. uh, these are the guys carrying forward the standard of making thoughtful, creative, innovative city builders. Uh, okay. SimCity Societies did something that – I, I don't think they, they sort of created this new model of city builder in a way. This is something that no one else had really done. And I think it, it might have confused some people who expected a normal city builder. I don't think the publishers really knew what to do with it. Uh, but their idea for how to make a city, one of the problems with a city builder, with, with an ant farm indeed, is that you have to give the player something to do. 
The player's not going to be occupied just sitting there watching stuff for, for two hours. Uh, you can't just have the city builder play itself. So the, the, the player has to be able to either tweak figures or have you have to carefully pace how often the player can build new stuff. Um, and even then, the player has to sort of feel involved. That's one of the, the genius bits of Dawn of Discovery is that trade stuff amongst the different islands you could think of that as busy work, but actually what it is is the developer saying, hey, player, you're playing this game. Let me give you something to do while all these systems are running. Uh, so so what Tilted Mill did with SimCity Societies is they made this very contrived, gamey sort of – it's almost like different types of mana or something is that your city your, – your, your city has different societal values – there's like, and I'm going to butcher the names, but there's like the, the spiritual value, there's the labor value, there's the, I think even the, the police state value. Uh, uh, authority or order. Authoritarian, yes, exactly, right. And depending on what structures you dropped, you could give yourself basically points in each of these values, which you would also then use to buy additional structures. Basically, if you drop a, uh, a a barrack, it wasn't a barracks. It was called like a, a worker's barracks or something like that. If you drop a worker's barracks, it gives you, and I'm going to make this up, it would give you 10 points of labor. And then you would use that 10 points of labor to drop a factory. So you would be playing with these blocks, some of which were resources, some of which were uh, things you bought with the resources. And you had this very gamey system of, of spending and creating types of mana, and it determined what sort of city you built. Uh, and it, it was a completely different way to give the player something to do in the course of building the city. Uh, and I love that. I, I love it took that game. forever to explain it. It was not very clear um, to a lot it's of It's not intuitive. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Because it doesn't use the, the typical model. Yeah, there, there's no convenient, you know, population equals taxes. You know, there's no bottom line right. like that. Yeah. Does this building consume order? Does it mean I get more order? Does it produce order? It took them a while to get the, icon- the iconography straightened out on that. Um, yeah, it was just such a radically different way of thinking about buildings. And I, so I recall it, it is sort of a puzzle, though, right? I mean, I thought I thought oh, yeah. the more interesting yeah. thing that I mean, it's all it's all sort of this you know already failed Obama administration kind of theory of of city planning, which is that it's some kind of like socialist utopia that you have to like create and everybody make everybody happy. Um, I thought that Troy's comment, we were just talking today about the Monte Cristo's game, and uh, their, uh, what, what was that, what was it, what was it called, Troy? Oh, it's a really? City Life. Yeah, and, and the idea was that you had these, these diametrically opposed factions that really couldn't sort of coexist, and so you had to somehow make them both happy, which I think is a great, I, just a, a lot more interesting idea than, you know, sor- solving some sort of, you know, arbitrary, you know, social welfare puzzle. Well, wait, that's a, that's a, so what you're doing there is like, that's more like this sort of neoconservative Bush administration apartheid model. I can see why it would a- appeal to you, uh-huh, uh, much right. more than SimCity societies. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But societies, uh, eventually became a very <laughs> good game. Um, once they patched it up and fixed the interface and explained, uh, in better terms and also balanced it, because in the, in the first initial build, it was so easy to unlock a building. Uh, it took very little effort at all, uh, but uh, as they patched it and patched it, it became a very, very good city builder. Yeah, that's uh, right, Troy. I forgot about that. They really did sort of. They had a great system, and they couldn't quite work some gameplay into it very well. And they, that that was like a product of later patches. I forgot about that. And uh, it's become one of my favorite city builders of all time. Um, but it was really a work in progress. And I think really? It's one of your favorite city builders of all time? It's up there, I, yeah. I mean, I would I'm, go with that too, yeah. Just because, Bruce, it's so different. Uh, because it, it really uh, it, it satisfies a different sort of a – it's a different kind of gameplay. There's, there's nothing else like it, and it works. So, and, yeah, was, I would go with that. But like so many of EA's recent products, it was so poorly marketed. They really yeah. had no idea how to sell that game or how to promote it. Um, and you can see that all the way through. They said, oh, look, you can create a hippie paradise or a Zen garden or this fascist utopia. And you had to take the cities to really extreme levels before you saw any variation at all. 
uh, in the standard city model, and you'd all of a sudden go from you know nice cobblestone streets to watchtowers and Big Brother everywhere, uh, with very little idea how that happened. Um, but they were marketing this as this you know city that evolves as you play, and it really didn't evolve as you play. You had to push it in that direction or just stumble upon it. Um, well, I think, Troy, it's a matter of mastering the system. It's a matter of sort yeah, of learning sure. what they were doing and then being able to really use it. Because it's not intuitive, it, it took longer to click, I, I think. Uh, I think it was the wrong way to sell the game. I mean, that's, I'm not sure how you sell a city builder these days, or even if you can. Maybe I'm just uh, too optimistic. Um, but I thought it was poorly marketed and, put, and therefore poorly understood by the city building community, uh, many of whom rejected it quite early on because they were expecting SimCity, which it clearly wasn't. That's the, that's a good point too, Troy, is yeah, like the, the, the standard casual sort of SimCity or nostalgic SimCity player uh, wasn't getting anything like SimCity. <laughs> well, especially like that, SimCity 4000, which was this huge, huge game. Um, right. Way beyond, I mean, I kind of stopped at 3000. I just, I didn't play it that much. But uh, about, also... I mean, I, I want to say real quick, Bruce, political sniping aside, you're absolutely right about City Life in that it also had a similarly bold model. Uh, and I really like the way that it did. Instead of using these sort of contrived mana types like SimCity Societies, it did that with population types. And that was mm-hmm. a great gameplay model, too. I really liked their approach as well. It's just SimCity Society. I mean, this is Tilted Mill. They've been doing City Builders forever. Once they got some gameplay in there, it just had a lot more polish than than City Life, and it had a lot more style. I thought hmm. City Life had this weird sort of European sheen to it. <laughs> what Dawn of Discovery wow. isn't European enough for you? Oh no, Dawn of Discovery is delightful. So City Life had a European sheen. Dawn of Discovery has a French quirk, <laughs> even though it might be German, though. Yeah, it, it is. Think of it, Blue Bite. Okay. Yeah. Well, they must be. It still has a French quirk. Maybe it's also described city life, European sheen, almost. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go any farther with that because I don't want to offend our European listeners. And we have many European listeners, all of whom. Plus, that's know. that's that's Bruce's job to offend our European listeners. I don't. Yes. I don't want to intrude I, I, on his territory. In these difficult economic times, I don't want you uh, trying to uh, make me unemployed. <laughs> don't forget. Uh, so uh, one one area there there aren't city builders on console systems as I'm sure you know Bruce, uh, but Sim uh, what was it SimCity Creator was an attempt to bring old school SimCity to the Nintendo Wii and except for some interface problems I thought it was for the most part successful uh, I think anybody who sort of wants to go back and re-experience the core SimCity gameplay. Mm-hmm. SimCity Creator, which you could probably get, I imagine it's maybe in discount bins now. You could probably get it for 20 bucks. It's a Wii game. I thought they did a great job with that. In terms of just laying out your RCI zones and letting things grow, uh, that, that game worked very well for me, for the most part. It did? Yeah, I quite liked it. Well, it was it was a good example of how the Wii, you know, without having to muck around with a gamepad, you used your Wii pointer like a mouse. Uh, imagine playing SimCity without a mouse. That's just it's just ridiculous. So SimCity Creator did a good job of of filling in for the mouse with a Wii pointer. Yeah. Now, I think that I mean we've talked about all these games, but uh, we're going to get so just raked over the coals by everybody if we don't start mentioning more. Uh, uh, city building games like for example we haven't mentioned the Settler series at all gosh I haven't played those in a while so those were Blue Bite as well weren't they yeah like those are those are the weird little German and and when those were based on if I'm not mistaken uh, population having roles like jobs correct was in, yep. yeah so it's so sort of a walker model but it's not really because walker the walker model is just some abstracted thing where your, uh, you know, you have structures that that have uh, people that that carry their influence, but these were actual little characters that had their own things that they did. And you leveled them up, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, like, didn't that is also a guy fun. would work in one job for a while, he would get good at it. Maybe you could promote him. I think. 
there was kind of an RPG thing there going, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely. That was very European. Yeah, yeah that, so, that French yeah. quirk. I'm going to say that had French quirk as well. It was a yeah. very game, which then, I mean, that's, we talked about franchises, and for me, that's the franchise that has completely gone off the rails from its original design the most. It's been, for a while, was almost a traditional uh, real-time strategy game. Uh-huh. But uh, they're trying to recover some of that. But yeah, Settlers 2, uh, especially, was a great, great game. Yeah, And a city builder. I would say it's a city builder. It also raised, because, Troy, you mentioned the RTS thing, how city builders try to shoehorn in military conflict, especially historical city builders, of course, uh, how you put in a little military aspect. And at first, this military aspect was like any other part of a city's infrastructure. You know, it would be like like just like health or education or religion and in the military. You would need an army or whatever. And a lot of city builders tried to make a conventional RTS, sort of tack that gameplay onto the side. Which I always resented that. It's like I don't. If I want to play an RTS, I'll play an RTS. Uh, so I think the best way to look at, at militaries in historical city builders is, and I think the last Caesar game, Troy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last Caesar game did a pretty good job with this. In terms of the military, was just another resource drain. You had to allocate resources to having a military. But whenever a battle broke out, it was pretty hands-off and straightforward. As long as you had enough dudes there, you didn't have to worry too much about positioning them and giving them attack moves and whatnot. Now you, had, you, had uh, to send your, you had to send your soldiers out. But wasn't it a matter of just like putting them somewhere and then they fight? Like, did you, have to, did you have to fuss with them much? You had to click on the forts and move them. Okay. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like an RTS. No, no, it wasn't. Well, you didn't have to worry about flanking actions or anything like that. Um, because isn't that where the where the settlers games really sort of screwed up? Is they tried to become conventional yeah. RTS? Yeah. I mean, it always had some military side. It always had you know some the battling of resources. The because you'd be building a city on one side of the map, and your enemy is building a city on the other side of the map. Something very few city builders have done. You know, That's right. I remember competing. Yeah. Competes forces competing for the same map. And eventually, the borders clash, and the influence starts to be a problem, and you have to go. And, Kick some ass. Um, yeah, that. But then we reached the point. They reached the point where the military stuff became the reason, and the conquest became the reason. Uh, right. And I think that was where start with the series. I think you're right. That's where the series moved more towards the RTS line and away from what made it such a cute little city builder with you know, little Smurfs running around with their picking up their. Oh my God, they were Smurfs, weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> well, they were. They were. They were blue. First. They, yeah, they hit. They, they they look like Smurfs, uh, yeah. you know. And they all and like hey, and they're only donated with one job. Just like every Smurf only has one job, and every settler only has one job. How do you know this about Smurfs, Troy? I'm a child of the '80s. Everyone knows everything. <laughs> a child. Of so, the by the way, Dawn of Discovery does this as well, Troy. In that you've got it's other Smurfs? cities on the same map. No Smurfs. <laughs> no Smurfs. But you have other cities on the same map, yeah. and depending on how you set the map up. And, and this, real quick, is another bit of genius about Dawn of Discovery, is there's so many different ways you can play it. It's such a generous, flexible game. But depending on how the map is set up, you might be having to compete with other civilizations for limited resources. Uh, and you know what I have to say? I, have, I could probably call up the statistics screen right now. I've probably logged 40 hours in Dawn of Discovery, and I have not once tried any of the military-type games where you've got to build a military and go invade someone or defend yourself. Uh, But I know that that's an aspect of it as well, uh, is that you might have to fight the other cities, you might have to steal their resources, you might have to boot them off of an island, they might try to invade you. Um, Does somebody have music on in the background? I do not, and as a matter of fact, my cat isn't even in here. Okay, I thought I heard some music. Bruce uh, might be jamming out to to some hip hop. Uh, that's fine. I just wanted to know what I have to filter out. That's all. I'm fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the military stuff in Dawn of Discovery. I'm the same way. I mean, the Anno games really have never done a good job. I mean, no city builder really has with making the military stuff work for me. Uh, part of it is because it is you have to move your stuff onto boats and then off of boats, and that's that never works right uh, for some reason. I really liked how they handled uh, – so in, in Dawn of Discovery, uh, I've had plenty of games where you can't uh, – where, where you have to defend your ships, where there are either pirates 
yes. or a random event comes up. And I really like how they handled that military stuff in that you can send a ship off to fight and it's not going to disrupt its trade route. You can basically just pause its trade route and then use it in a, a battle uh, and then click a button and it goes right back to its trade route. Right. Uh, I thought they did a great job of incorporating the transportation and naval combat without the naval combat completely disrupting the transportation. Uh, but land combat, I st- you know what, Troy, I have no idea. How does land combat work in Dawn of Discovery? Like, do you know how you, I don't, do you, how do you invade another island? I have no idea. I'll be damned if I figured, if I figured it out. I mean, it was, I played a lot of the game for my review. Um, I just bought people off most of the time. I, th- yeah, I don't even know how it works, just because I haven't even tried it. Because uh, you don't have to. That's the beauty of the game, is if you don't want the military conflict stuff, you just set up a game that doesn't have it, or you just play the non, non-conflict non uh, scenarios. I mean, it's it's what it is, and it's not terribly you know, interesting, the uh, land combat, but what were they going to do? As soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to go start up a new game of Dawn of Discovery, and no, I'm going to play a military city. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And there will be a link to it at the bottom of this podcast. There will be a link you know, to military city. The first thing you're going to do is, was, when you get off this podcast is go be on a death panel. <laughs> I, would, I've, I have been asked to be on a death panel in my community. Uh, that would be a good game to have. You could do like a death panel simulation. I, I think more city builders need death panels. I think if you ever have if you ever have a blog full of bad games you've reviewed, you should call it the the death panel. Yeah, uh, you, you work on that, Tom. Huh? Uh, you know the thing we haven't talked about at all is uh, science fiction uh, uh, city builders. There are there any? Wow, Space Colony was an awesome. So Firefly is the company that did the the non D and D stronghold games. They were city builders based around building a castle and <coughs> excuse me. You would build a castle, and there would be a city at the foot of the castle walls that was almost – it wasn't incidental because you needed the infrastructure to build your castle, but it was really just that you needed the city to get the, the stuff for your castle. So these guys at Firefly did do a science fiction city builder called Space Colony, mm-hmm. and they made it a bit uh, – as far as the scale, it was awfully close to the settlers or even the sims – in that a lot of it was about managing the roles of your different characters. And they even had interpersonal conflict <laughs> between some of the characters who might not like each other. Uh, so that's, I think, a sci-fi city builder, even though it's technically a colony, mm-hmm. but it had all the hallmarks of a city builder. And, oh, Startopia, I believe, where you're making a space station. Wasn't that? Yeah, that was a city builder. What about Outpost? Wow, is that a 4X or a city builder? I honestly don't know. I, I remember it being a city builder. We were like building it, some kind of like space colony because I can't remember what the backstory was, but I'm pretty sure it was that, a city builder. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right, Bruce. Yeah, now that you describe it, I think you're right. Yeah. And there's actually a game, and I, I really wish I could remember the name of it. It's from, long, it's from about the time that I played SimCity, actually. I think I played it at about the same time. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of SimCity when it came out, so I, I think I played this game. It was called, what was it called? It was like Lunar Base or Moon Base or something like that. It was a long time ago. This is like, <laughs> we're talking like 1990. Are you thinking and, of Lunar uh, Lander? <laughs> n- yeah, you had to, you had to uh, type in what velocity you were going to land at and the <laughs> exactly, angle yeah. you were going to land at. And a little asterisk would come down. Um, I think that's what's going on here, Bruce, is you're thinking of Lunar Lander, and you were role-playing what happened after you successfully landed the lander. Yeah, that's probably kind of... Uh, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm wrong. Um, uh, I could have sworn there was a game. I think it was called Moonbase. What about Dwarf Fortress? Is Dwarf Fortress a city builder? Absolutely. Ah. Absolutely. It's a great city builder that's incomprehensible. How dare you? Why are you calling it incomprehensible? Just because you haven't figured out the learning curve. It's, it, it's <laughs> have a, you ever played Dwarf Fortress? I have not, but I have seen a, a good friend of mine show me Dwarf Fortress, his Dwarf wow. Fortress. So I feel like I've enjoyed the fruits of it without actually having played it. Yeah, so awesome. Smarter people uh, than me have played it and loved it, and I've played it for a bit. Uh, but wow. Um, I mean, I'm not afraid of ASCII, but there's so much to do in that game. 
Well, really? Bruce, you and I were going to do a like we'd always joked about doing it, and not joked, we were in earnest about doing a Tom versus Bruce with Dwarf Fortress. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, we were definitely. I mean, we would have done it had Computer Gaming yeah. World not folded or Games for Windows Magazine not folded. We absolutely would have done it. And now, did you ever? Because I've I've never gotten around to trying to play it, partly because it looks a little scary. But I I would love to eventually figure it out. But have you ever have you ever dove in into Dwarf Fortress? Dove into it, yeah. Uh, past tense yeah, of dive. I, yeah. Okay. Good, good work on that. Uh, I've downloaded it and it's sitting on my computer. And one of these days, when I have any time at all, I will. I mean, I guess part of it is that I don't want to just. I mean, I, if I'm going to try it, I really want to try to understand it and learn it. And I just don't have the time to sort of devote to that. So uh, it sort of sits uh, unappreciated. But mm-hmm. that's definitely a game. It's, of all the games that I can sort of, uh, you know think about playing and realize I don't have any time to do it, uh, Dwarf Fortress is probably at the top of the list of games that I actually want to play. Because it also, isn't it, it's very, uh, it's it's got that ant farm thing. It's very hands-off. Uh, yes. You're definitely, yeah. it's, a, it's a system that happens, and you can tweak it, but it sort of runs on its own, and you, uh, you're you a bystander, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and you give your dwarfs some ba- pretty basic instructions and places to build, and they have roles, and but they and they'll fill their roles and you know create little stories. So Troy, you've played it then. You probably you probably know I've it better than I've played it some, or, but I mean not deep. Not I mean it's a beautiful city build. I mean it's like you, Tom. It's a game that I've watched and read about probably more than I've actually played it. Um, but it's it's I think. Um, a masterpiece of you know programming and imagination that for the love of god needs everything to be easier it needs you know it shouldn't take me seven button presses to give a dwarf a job so you think it's like an interface issue like it, it needs a better interface yeah or? it it, lar- it needs a larger it needs a, an interface that is most driven for one thing um it it needs ah because it could do so much more with a mouse than you can with just the keyboards and how deep into the menus you get. Um, it uh, takes too long to do anything um, in the early going. Once you get going and you become one with the system, it's a wonderful game that I just can't stop reading about. Uh, but it's right. clearly a city builder. Um, and it has inspired, I think, some of the best uh, after-action reports. Um for any strategy game of recent years, I think, because it's so creative. Hmm. Allegedly, good after action yep. reports. We should, I mean, before we end this, we really need to give people a Dominion's update. Where turn, where's your turn, Bruce? Yeah, I know. See, here's the problem, and this is what I'll tell everybody that <laughs> I am now. What's I'm the problem? Pretty, I'm pretty flummoxed by the fact that everybody's attacking me, and I need to figure out how to make, you know, how to fix this. So, uh, and I don't have a lot of time. So, you know, every time I sit down to, to do my turn, I think, oh wow, what's going on here? Oh, I should really because Tom and I had a had a. Uh, I think we discussed this already. Tom and I had a pretty big battle, and Tom won. And uh, now he and I are sort of attacking each other, and and I guess it's Julian is coming down from the north and attacking me also. Oh, so good. So I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to fend off Tom and Julian at the same time. So every time I do it. Uh, or every time I every time I sit down to do a turn, I think ah, I need to put more. I need to put a little more time into this. I need to sit down and really figure out what's what Tom's going to do, and what I think Julian's going to do. And then I you know I, I I put it aside, and then I come back to it you know a couple days later, and I'm like ah, let me get think about it a little bit more. So uh, it's kind of slowed the game down. Yeah, because I don't. I have. I'm just waiting on your turn. You're the last one to go. I will, I will get it done. And miracle of miracle, miracle right of now, we're, Julian was the first one. Like he sent his turn out. On. So Bruce and I right now are doing this messy thing where we're like trading <laughs> territories. Uh, it's yeah. just this horrible patch. I think it's going to be this horrible patchwork of provinces down there. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to shake out and it's looking a little messy. I'm glad that Julian's getting involved because, Troy, I see you. I see you coming down towards me. I got my eye on you. Don't think I don't know what you're up to because I do. I'm just preaching, I'm just preaching the rhythm of life, brother. I don't know what that means, but it, it's got me worried. Yeah, that sounds kind of weird. Creepy. <laughs> it does, yeah. He's, it, this is monkey people. What have they done to you, Troy? Yeah. Fed me really nothing happy. but bananas. Um, I don't want to abandon City Builders quite yet, so I wanted to ask uh, both you about what you think the future of the genre is. Because here we are, strategy gaming itself is in decline. 
So uh, Troy, you've seen more probably of Cities XL. So so Cities yeah. XL. I mean, I feel sorry for the guys because they really were. They, the servers were down for maintenance for almost the past week. And, yeah. you know, I knew we were doing our City Builders episode, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to play this now. And then they, it happened to be when they had the servers down for maintenance. They just went live earlier today, the day that we're right. recording the podcast. Uh, so I was able to boot it up and take a look at it, but for some reason I could not build – I couldn't bring any population into my city. So I could build a couple of factories and a couple of commercial buildings long enough to watch them go bankrupt and go out of business. Uh, and I like – they've obviously got some weird MMO kind of – trading thing going yeah uh it's a pretty so, so troy what what can you say about cities xl uh it's pretty Sell straightforward it. it's a, it's almost disappointingly traditional uh in the way that it's set up from how it looks except for the multiplayer thing you know you layer you layer streets and you build your buildings and they get filled up then factories for people to work and you have to build a residence first and then the work and then more residents and more work and a nice interchange uh, I like how you can build streets in pretty much whatever direction you want. It's definitely uh, no grid restricting you there. Nope. Yeah, like uh, except for the fact that all all the buildings are grids. Um, ah, okay. So you know you can make this beautiful little triangular uh, roadway, but that triangle, the tip of that triangle, is never going to get filled. Uh, one thing they haven't implemented yet that they're going to be is this module set. And the one they've been pushing or promoting uh, so far, uh, the only things that any real press on, has been you can, you'll be able to build resorts. Uh, for example, a ski resort. Then you'll be competing with people to draw tourists to your ski resort to fund your city. Competing with people, you mean other nearby cities or I'm other assuming, cities on the server? I'm assuming so. See, I, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, that you want to have a very popular and profitable ski resort. Now, I'm not sure where these other people are coming from. Are they coming from other cities? Are they phantom people who land from another planet? Um, what is exactly is the math here? Um, it's a nice-looking game, but I still don't have a great feel. I'll admit, this, when the servers went down a lot, you know, when I, was, I had first gotten it, I kind of got out of the habit of playing it, and I haven't put nearly enough hours into it. I am still looking forward to it, um, because I was a big fan of uh, City Life and what Monte Cristo did, and I'm kind of disappointed they haven't carried on with that class-based. Well, it is a class-based system, but it's a different class-based system. Population-based system. Yeah, so it's just qualified workers, unqualified workers. Oh, right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and there's like executives. Yeah, yeah, right. And you have to attract those to your city by building certain structures, and you can't unlock certain other structures till you have a, your population of qualified or unqualified get to a certain number now one of the things that makes me sort of worry about is uh although i notice you can play offline so this yeah. might opt out of this model but it, it almost sounds like they're going for this vaguely like uh icarium or children of the nile online model where everybody's building a city on a big old server and there's some sort of global economic model where you're competing for limited resources and uh like, I wonder if they're trying to do that kind of thing with the multiplayer, that, that multiplayer angle. I don't know. Yeah. But when you talk about competing for skiers and attracting different classes of population, that sort of makes me wonder about that. Is it going to be like, oh, and, and you do actually. Actually, so there's a good point, Troy. When you found a city, it tells you what resources are on that city. Like, for instance, oil. Right. So I think you may not have oil, but you'll obviously need it. So you have to trade it. From other players' cities, right? Which sounds to me like Icarium, or I'm maybe or that, saying that. Yeah, Icarium and the uh, the Tilted Mill Nile game, where right. you had to to upgrade your city and needed to get bronze. You don't have bronze. You've got to sell some guys some reeds and all that. And or Ivoni, they do that too, don't they? <laughs> Isn't that Ivoni? Ivoni, Ivoni. I don't know how to pronounce it. All I know is your, they've got hot models. Your city awaits, my lord. Right. So that's like, yeah, I hope they're not kind of, I hope they're not trying to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to when it comes out in the fall. Uh, I think it's an October release now. It was pushed back or pushed forward, whatever that one is. It's later than they had planned it. And I'm still looking forward to it. I want to put more hours into it and maybe we can do an update uh, later on. Um, next week, we have a special guest. We will have Mark Walker. 
Uh, he is the a war game designer and former game journalist working on Lock and Load Stalingrad Stories. He will be here to talk about, well, Stalingrad Stories and war game design today, the future of it, and squad-based uh, World War II games in general. So please. Now, is this yep, is, is this the fellow who uh, who invaded Nicaragua in the 19th century? I think they may be related. Uh, ah, maybe he can tell us a little about that. It would be certainly quite interesting. Uh, so please tune in next week for our conversation with Mark Walker. Uh, say goodbye, everyone. Good night, all. Let the black Warren Buffett so all critics can duck sick. I don't care if you see Dolores Tuckett or you feel all rally, you only rally me. You know.